everybody to 2022 season uh, one still, but here in 2022 the, of the HR revolution or evolution, no matter what way we look about, look at it today, the world is different. The world of work is changing right before our eyes. Some are feeling it more than most, but we know HR has been relied on probably the most during the pandemic as a business unit or a function within the organization. We look to this opportunity to revolutionize the function of HR for the evolution of business as it's HR's time to really lead these organizations forward as we move forward into 2022. I cannot be more excited to announce our first guest in 2022 is Barbara. Chris will get into the uh, specifics, but uh, Chris, why don't you quickly introduce yourself as well? Thanks, Kevin. And it's great to be back for a, another season of the HR Evolution. Uh, my name is Chris Derone. I've been an HR practitioner for, uh, we'll just go with 20, a little bit more than that, but we'll go with 20 years, uh, specializing in the organizational development, talent management uh, field within HR. It is our pleasure to introduce all of you today to Barbara Marionetti DeRozier. She is the Chief Human Resources Officer at Coordinated Care Services, which is a management service organization with a special focus in the areas of behavioral health and Human Services based out of Rochester, New York. Barbara, it is great to welcome you to the show. Thank you, I'm really excited to be here, finally, after um, you know, <laughs> several, several months of having conversations about joining your podcast. Hey, well, it's great to have you, healthy, smiling, of course, and uh, we obviously like to get to know HR professionals on a deeper level. Um, sometimes our interactions are brief and it's all about us. So now mm -hmm. we're turning the mic back on you. And Barbara, when you were uh, first getting up in the morning and you really have to put on a song that's going to pump you up, what song are you putting on? Oh, that's interesting. Um, so it's my go-to favorite song um, that's always like in my head for some reason, but Fame from the okay. 80s, Irene Cara. <laughs> it's the only song I know all the lyrics to. Otherwise, I make up the lyrics to every other song out there. That's that's it. exactly how I listen to music, Barbara. Every song, and then you like now that we have that Alexa in our in our uh, kitchen, and you're like going with the lyrics. I realized how few lyrics I actually know. I just have been making up words. Exactly. <laughs> I think I think we sang it, sang it in like fifth grade chorus, so that's the only reason why I know it. <laughs> well, that's a that's a great song that'll pump you up and get you ready every day. Yeah. I, mean, I, I don't know if we've heard a better answer to that question. <laughs> great. What what's one thing that people maybe don't know about you, Barbara? You know, just as oh, an individual, human, you know, hobbies, I, interests, anything like that. Um, I actually answered this question uh, earlier this week in a in a meet and greet with some new employees. Is um, you know, I can come off as pretty energetic and talkative and engaging, but I'm actually quite shy. And uh, so, you know, it's, it's a little bit more of me in a way where I feel like I have a role. And uh, so I, I, I can, I can, you know, a little bit fake it till I make it. But if I was just, you know, alone walking into a party and, and just seeing people, I, I it would be very uncomfortable for me. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate yeah. it. Well, I, we always like to, we believe that we all spend the night at our offices, especially coordinated care services is, is one of those incredible organizations that we are fortunate enough to have here in Rochester. And um, before we kind of get into what you get to do for CCSI and the great work that you've uh, kind of been exposed to over the years as being a, a top end HR practitioner, 
is I wanted to ask you, what does the revolution of HR for the evolution of business mean to you, Barbara? You know, Kevin, uh, we've had conversations about that, you and I. Um, I am very excited about where HR, but also just how work is going to look like in the future. Mm -hmm. um, I was, you know, through this pandemic and, and, you know, there's nothing good about it, but if there, if we had to have one silver lining around it, it's really changing how people are working and it's really um, making, you know, people reevaluate their priorities as to what they want out of, out of a work environment. And I think that is exactly where I, what I'm passionate about in creating a, an experience where people just feel really supported um, where, where people feel like, you know, they can do their best both, you know, at work and at home. Mm -hmm. Um, and I know that I work for an organization at CCSI that fosters that and fosters this long before the pandemic, but we're just, um, it just allowed us to do it, um, more efficiently and, 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 and really prioritize it, you know, through the pandemic, because people had to work remotely, mm -hmm. people that needed more flexibility and, you know, we're, we're, um, where that may have been a little bit more challenging to get all the business units to buy into that in the, it, before the pandemic. Now there's just no reason to go back to, to the old way and, and be more progressive in, in figuring out new ways of working together. Yeah, I love that. I just love hearing you say there's no going back to the old way, right? I mean, it's kind of like- I, don't, I have no interest in going back I, to I the know, old way. I know, exactly. <laughs> I don't think employees do either. When you look no. So I think a lot of organizations are going through that, Barbara, and they're you know, maybe a couple of months ago, everyone thought, okay, great, you know, sound the all clear bell, we can get people back into the office. And then, you know, what happened with Delta and now Omicron. What are some of the key success factors do you think that organizations need to put in place to ensure that they're able to do that, you know, go to a remote, go to a virtual environment and, and be effective and productive still? You know, Chris, I think I think that we've already proven that we can um, because you know we in New York State we were we were on pause. We had to limit our um, capacity in offices, and we had to work remotely. And um, so I, you know, it was business as usual as much as possible. People had to be, you know, it, this is the buzzword, but people had to be agile and nimble. Um, but I think that, you know, business has to be that anyway. It's not just because of, you know, uh, the pandemic. And, um, and to sh demonstrate that we actually can do it um, means that, um, you know, we've found that people are just well, more engaged and, and, and actually more productive. I think that, um, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, older than both of you. And so I think that, you know, there was a time that we were just talking about this at work um, recently that, you know, working from home wasn't an option because we had CPUs that were, you know, tethered to our desks in an yeah. office. Yeah. And then you came home and you, know, you would log into your own computer and maybe if you had a little remote access or, or, or you know, webmail. But, um, but now, you know, with, with our phones, iPads, our laptops, our tablets, we could do work anywhere. Um, and it's, you know, if we're thinking about like work-life balance, it's also really work-life integration. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I could, I could do my eight-hour day over a 12-hour period of time, or I could mm -hmm. do my 40-hour work week over 60 hours and, and, and just, you know, what, you know, I could attend to my family, I could tend to my life. And, and uh, so it's really about integrating, you know, work and life rather than, well, in a balance too. But, the, you know, I think it's really more about, you know, you're, this is just the way we're going to kind of operate as professionals moving forward. 
Man, there was a lot to unpack with you just said there because there, there was so much good stuff. So much good stuff. Okay. Um, but I, I love like the, obviously the agile and nimble. Yes, it's a, a keyword, but that's the fact that you said that and related it to businesses should already be striving to do this pandemic or not, right? Yeah. That, that says so much about you and your position there as a chief human resource officer for CCSI is that that t- is talking about giving people the tools and, and constantly reevaluating the tools that you are giving people to enable their success and their given function within that company, right? Yes. We talk about finding more. Chris did a, a fascinating interview um, just, just before you, uh, Lewis, and he talks about finding the purpose, right? Unlocking the purpose of the person's oh, position, right? And I know that's something that you guys do a lot at CCSI is that you're always asking the question why, and it's almost like never good enough. Can you talk about how you guys got there and how you kind of built that relationship with the CEO to say like, hey, we got to get comfortable with change and we got to get comfortable with change fast. So one of the things um, at CCSI is that we need to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. So, you know, if we, if we rest on our laurels, we're only as good as, you know, you know, the last task that we did or, or the last project that we worked on um, because, you know, you know, as, as great that success was, if we don't continue to work and improve, we're not going to be as successful moving forward. Um, I think, you know, I'm, very lucky and we at CCSI are very lucky to work for a CEO that's really strategic, brilliant, and, um, you know, wants to think about, you know, new projects, new ways of doing things, and and how can we? She's never really from a place of no, um, hmm. you know, to, to use a real housewife's <laughs> um, <laughs> quote, you know, you know, come from a place of yes, and, uh, but I, I actually really like that because it's like, it's really a how can we uh, accomplish this really complicated task. Um, sure, we can do it, and and there's never really a um, a thought that we can't do it. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and that just allows us to you know stretch ourselves, and then you know, and getting our our employees in a in a in a position where they may be able to work on a on a project that they've never really worked on before, or learn a new skill, and then learn it on the job. Um, and and it's you know just kind of upskilling upskilling and and developing our, our employees and, and, and putting them on individual, individual paths for, for growth. Um, you know, we, we at CCSI always believe that succession and um, career progression and trajectory is not the latter of always going from, you know, individual contributor to supervisor, manager, director, and to an executive, but it's however that is most meaningful to you. And, you know, there's so many different paths. We, we recently had um, a, a vice president that has decided that, you know, she could probably do better work for CCSI by stepping back in her role and, and, and working on a, on a, on a you know, a, an area of practice versus running, you know, several area of practices. And, and it, she's so talented in that area and that she identified that herself and, and, and you know, and brought that as a, as a business proposal to, to the president. And we were like, yeah, we'll figure this out. We'll, we'll make the necessary changes and so that you can do this because it's a, it's a need in the community mm-hmm. and it's a need in our organization. So, um, you know, I'm really excited about, you know, like that level of like, you know, 
there's not really a lot of no, but there's a, there's a lot of how can we. Yeah. I see a lot of envious HR practitioners either listening right now, because that's usually one of the biggest complaints that, that I've heard, right, is that it is that CEO relationship that they have. Now, but that doesn't just happen, right? You have to build that that trust. And yes, the CEO may have the idea that I empower my people, but you still have to develop the time necessary to build that credibility to earn that trust. How did you start to do that when you first started there six years ago? You know, when I was just talking before, I was like a little shy, you know, coming into a new organization and, and, and it, I didn't have my footing at CCSI immediately, right off the bat. Um, it took me a, probably about nine months before I really started feeling a little bit more comfortable in my skin. It's the first time that I was in this type of position. I had been a, an HR director for, you know, several years at two other organizations in the past, but, you know, this is, this is an executive job. And while I had, you know, a seat at the table, I wasn't, um, at, you know, I still, you know, reported, uh, there were people that were uh, more hierarchical than I was, mm -hmm. and in other organizations. And here, I was really not understanding um, that it was a partnership. You know, we were all, you know, different, um, you know, important uh, cornerstones or, or, you know, important legs to the, to the table of, of, of our organization and leadership team. And um, so I was working with uh, an executive coach, and uh, that was really helpful. It's like, and still very helpful to me um, in really understanding that, you know, this is my job. I, this is my role. And this is, you know, I have to perform as an executive, as a partner um, to the executives in, in this way. And so, you know, really just changing my mindset and how I was approaching work and, and providing value and providing input saying, you know, I don't agree with that if I didn't agree with something. And, um, and, and really, you know, just kind of being, putting on my big girl pants yeah. in my big girl job and, and being brave in, in spaces that may have been uncomfortable for me in the past. And it was just really stretching myself. Yeah, that's great. I mean, there's a lot of great lessons in there, Barbara. And think about people who are listening to this and doing their own self-assessment on their own, you know, where they may sit within their organization. Um, I want to, I want to change the topic a little bit. Uh, I know diversity, you know, equity, inclusion, belonging is a big topic for a lot of, you know, chief human resources officers heading into 2022. Um, and one of the things that, you know, as we, as we start to unpack this, let's talk about belonging. Um, and again, when we look at organizations and they're going through these radical shifts in terms of how work is getting done virtually and remote, how does an organization really tap into that belonging aspect? It's hard when you've got, you know, everybody doing everything by themselves. You know, a Zoom call is great. It's fantastic. But you still miss a lot of those opportunities to, you know, pop your head over the cube wall and just have a quick impromptu conversation. So what are some things that, you know, in a remote environment, in a virtual environment, you know, can organizations do to ensure that their culture is, is maintained and everyone has that sense of belonging? You know, Chris, that's really important. Um, the first, you know, you, you hit the nail on the head when you said uh, the culture. The culture has to be intentional about creating a place of belonging. Um, so, you know, you can capitalize on what's really working well. But the other thing is, you know, what's not working well and really getting that feedback from employees as to how to shape your culture. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're fortunate enough at CCSI that not only do we have an office of diversity and inclusion, diversity, equity, inclusion, and anti-racism, but it is not a 
Division of Human Resources, we partner with, um, it's its own division. Yeah. And, um, and I work very, very closely with the Chief um, Diversity Officer at CCSI and uh, her name's Keisha Carter and she's, she's amazing. Um, and we partner on everything. Um, and we also work with compliance on partnering on, on, on this as well. We have a chief compliance officer, Mary Joan Case. We actually make up the talent and culture team. It's not a department. It's, a, it's, a, it's really we work together on, on our organizational strategy around um, what our culture is going to, to look like and, and what it needs to be. And belonging is so important because this is where we you know, work with supervisors and division leaders around um, engaging in staff and it's not just a survey. Um, it's, it's really you know, making sure that you know, people have the supports that they need, that um, we are addressing um, you know, every, everybody as an individual and what their needs are. If somebody's struggling either personally that's affecting their work or if they are um, struggling as a team um, because there isn't a lot of connectivity from an organizational standpoint, we try to do as many uh, as much communication as possible. We do town halls. I think every I think it's every six weeks now, um, or 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 two months, um, where we do town halls. We ask for people to come and and, and ask questions, and they ask some pretty hard questions sometimes. Yeah. And um, and that we want to make sure that you know people feel like you know they're part of a team. We um, a part of our new employee orientation. We invite all the new hires together at quarterly and they get to do a meet and greet with the supervisors virtually, put us in breakout rooms and doing something like this, just asking, you know, silly questions like, you know, what's your favorite song? What's your go-to karaoke song? Or, or if you had to live in a virtual world, um, what world would it be? <laughs> it's just like these like fun, fun questions. And, and we just had one this week and it was just like the, the highlight of all of our days. And, right. and, you know, that's like a 90 minute meeting that sometimes we just don't want to end. And it's just taking that time out to be, you know, a, a listening ear and, and trying to connect intentionally and, and be real um, and be engaging and, and, and also do it with compassion and a lot of humor. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. A lot wow. of great, a lot of great. Holy examples. cow. Barbara is on fire right now. It's <laughs> like, holy, the individual needs versus the team's base. Like, yeah. uh, I want to ask why the CCSI decided that uh, DE&I did not belong under HR and why they built it up as its own function. I mean, there's so much, the communication in the town halls opening up those lines of communication and being vulnerable. Like you said, they ask tough questions, but the fact that you guys are vulnerable, that helps build trust and transparency. There's just so much that you guys, you just shared in there that is incredible. But the one piece that I absolutely have to go back to is the individual needs. Um, I feel like a lot of times in a lot of organizations, they try spray and pray methods, right? They try that catch all right. approach. Um, to hear you say the, based off the needs of the individual, but also how does that impact in the greater team is something that you are curious about and want to know and be a part of and solve. Can you talk about how, when, that, when that became so apparent to you that it was more about the individual in order to probably maximize the engagement? Because I know turnover is, has not been a, a huge challenge for CCSI because of that incredible culture that you guys have built over the last six years? You know, that's, well, first of all, right, turnover, 
you know, we, we do experience turnover, but we're not experiencing, you know, the, the impact of the great resignation, um, or what we're saying is the great, you know, um, reevaluation of my career priorities, um, <laughs> because we've been doing um, a lot of intentional work around our culture for, for so long. We do have people that leave, but, um, you know, some people, you know, people leave for, 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 for many reasons, but very rarely will you see, uh, you know, a max exodus of people leaving, you know, based on uh, cultural or, or team issues. It's, it's usually more personal or um, the fact that, you know, maybe they just didn't have the opportunity for them to progress at that moment and, and another opportunity came, came their way. Um, so, but we, we also want to make sure that we aren't losing people. I mean, so we, again, we can't rest on our laurels, right? And so one of the things about, you know, talking with the individual um, is, um, you know, asking our supervisors to meet with every single person on their team and doing a very simple five question stay interview um, and hmm. find out what, what gets them up in the morning and why do they continue to work and when's the last time they thought they might be leaving our organization and what prompted that and do they still feel that way and how can I be a better supervisor and, and uh, what are you learning and what do you want to learn and so that's the individual approach. Um, and, and, you know, the other uh, thing is around um, to answer a question from before as to why our DEI office is not under the human resources function um, is because we have been, you know, working on DEI and cultural competence for 30 years, wow. where some organizations have only been working on it fairly recently. Six months. Or, yeah. or even, you know, failing it in the last, you know, five or maybe 10 years yeah. um, and, and just feeling like, well, it's people. So it just has to live under the HR team. And, um, and so, you know, the, so I think that as an organization, we've been, you know, consulting in the space for a long time. And then as our in internal infrastructure um, grew, um, you know, we had um, the um, uh, um, Lunora Reed Rose, who, who's a, a Rochester icon, and she has developed, you know, our, our DEI space at CCSI for, for 30 years. And she um, was doing a lot of, you know, external consulting work for other organizations as to what they needed to do um, to be more culturally competent and, and, and racially just and equitable. And um, so, you know, you're like, okay, well, you can't also be in charge of our diversity and inclusion um, initiatives at work anymore because you're so focused externally mm -hmm. um, that we created a, a, a position. Um, and to make sure that that position was, you know, as is needed, not part of human resources. Yeah. Wow. Partnering with, yeah. though, yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. Keisha and I call each other the Wonder Twins, and um, you know, it so seems, it seems we like have just... to work together and in, in forming like those amazing things, um, so that we can that we can really, you know, help transform. And it's really about transformational change with our organization. The one common theme, because I know Chris has got a great question coming, but Chris, the one thing that I keep hearing is almost like um, that the business units aren't siloed at all. You know, it's like a constant like um, channels or circles of communication are constantly happening between. And it just that's it, amazing on what you guys are able to accomplish because you're getting constant feedback from those individual surveys on up um, and keeping obviously you guys in tune with the frontline workers. It's just amazing. Great to hear. <laughs> And I think that it's that also common thread of it's 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 refreshing to hear that diversity isn't just something under yeah. HR, right? Just in it's some owned, by the, yeah. owned by the organization, right? Because well, oftentimes yeah. it's 
of, you know, something happens and we've got to do something, we have to react or respond. And to Kevin's point, it's a bolt on, it's an add on that, uh, yeah, it sounds like human resources should take care of this. So yeah. we'll just get them. Well, there. culture is owned by the organization. And engagement is owned by right. the organization, right? Yeah. So all of that, I think that hearing you, you know, tell us about how it's done at CCSI is really helpful. Um, and, you know, I'm putting my, my hat up, I'm listening to this episode, you know, what am I taking away as well? How do, if I, if my organization isn't like that, you know, what do I need to do to either increase those communication circles, as Kevin said, or how do we reposition this so that everyone knows, you know, what the expectation is and the understanding is around ownership, um, which leads me kind of to leadership. And uh, I noticed that you posted a little while ago that you just went through a big uh, leadership program at CCSI. Tell yeah. us about that, and specifically, you know, what? Where do you see leadership development going in 2022? I mean, what are the key areas that you know organizations should be focusing on when they look at developing their their leaders? So we don't define leaders as a position, right? Everybody can be a mm. leader. Um, so, you know, as adults, we all lead our own lives. So therefore, you know, every, every person, um, leads, you know, the, 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 how they function in their job, how they show up every day. Right. So we, let's just start, you know, basically there, um, we just, um, completed a, a year's, um, immersive leadership development group, but it's, it, we completed this one section of it and we're going to move forward and, and continue with this, um, dare to lead. Um, which is based on um, the Brene Brown uh, Dare to Lead book. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a big Brene Brown fan. I'm actually reading Atlas of the Heart right now. And, um, and, and so we had a facilitator come in and our executive team, um, you know, went through the book. We, uh, you know, some of us have read it three times, two times. Some of us were brand new to it. Um, and it's really about how do we want to show up for, you know, and, and drop our armor and be courageous and be brave and, and really be real with each other uh, at work and how are we working as a leadership team. And then not only if we can perform that well um, in that way with each other as a leadership team, then how are we performing in our own organizational divisions? Um, and then how does, how does the, um, the, you know, the staff that report to, to us at the executive team, how are they showing up with each other and being able to have real conversations and, and not have the meeting after the meeting and, and, and really just, you know, having the rumble right in the room. I'm using a lot of Brene Brown language, yeah. but, um, you know, this is, this is exactly, you know, really how we want to show up for each other and show up for ourselves and kind of really get real and, and, and be vulnerable. I think that's really important for us to, to be able to create a space that creates a lot of you know, psychological safety, mm -hmm. that people can have that conversation and that we, that we listen with empathy and compassion. Um, and and, I, and it's, it's, just, it's really about transformational change. So really excited that we have two more cohorts um, coming through of our, of our next leaders while our executive team is going through our next phase, which is because we're we're really um, you know uh, uh, becoming um, an anti-racist organization. Is we're doing um, what's called a reverse mentoring, and um, what that is is that because our executive team is primarily white, um, is that we have had asked for um, staff of color to um, work with us, so they are going to be mentors to the you know, um, leadership team to ensure that how we are showing up 
and in in our in what we've learned in Dare to Lead is yeah. is not going to be harmful to our um, you know BIPOC uh, staff and community, and um, and so to really um, have you know more um, insight and 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 understanding of you know, how we, when we're thinking about diversity, equity, and inclusion in anti-racism, we're not checking a box with a training. We're yeah. really learning how to be better people um, and um, in, the, in, in, in that. And so that's going to be part of our um, organizational strategy for learning and developing in that way. And so as we continue to learn and, and grow, new cohorts are going to come up. And this is just really, really kind of come down to teams. Yeah. And then it's really about how we're showing up as leaders. So if I am um, an entry-level staff person and, you know, I, I could... I could be working as an administrative assistant or a receptionist somewhere and, you know, leading how I am and how I'm showing up for people who are um, coming into the doors or how I'm answering the phone or how I'm supporting, you know, a division um, in a way that's, you know, uh, kind and compassionate and, and vulnerable and, and, and I can speak my mind with safety and, and, uh, uh, be heard and and so you know so we're we're on the precipice of this of this path uh, for for, for uh, developing leaders in our organization. Two two things pop up. Thank you so much for sharing that. The fact that the executive leadership team is at the forefront because usually you hear we need to do leadership development and the, you know the C suite says well we're good you can just work on everyone below. I think that sets a great you know precedent in the organization and sets a great tone as well that you know, you've got your executive leadership team going through this and, and obviously role, role modeling you know, the behaviors that you're looking for the entire organization to demonstrate, which is fantastic. Uh, and the whole idea around genuine, right? You know, being vulnerable um, and, and having that approach, I think with the focus on just employee well-being and bringing your whole self to work. Yeah, authentic. There's a different dynamic now with leadership that, you know, there's a different skill set that leaders have to be able to demonstrate, whether it's, you know, showing more compassion or, or empathy or consideration and care when you're having these conversations. So that's fantastic. And the, and the reverse mentoring is, is, you know, jotted that note down. Um, I'm hearing a little bit, but it's starting to gain speed. And, you know, what a great approach. Uh, you know, when you look at understanding and empathy, putting yourself in someone else's shoes, a great way to 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 really bring that across and into the organization. So kudos. Yeah, we expect it to change how we operate. We expect it to change how we um, implement policies and 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 you know implement how we're hiring and and how we're um, holding you know people accountable for performance. Um, you know, how our benefits are going to be structured. I mean, it's, it, it, it's you know, we've, we've been working intentionally on that for a long time, but I think, I think that it, it's going to really help us continue to, to transform and be progressive and be at the forefront. I, I'm really excited about um, the, this program and then, and then our other programs around this. And then, and then, you know, people also just need technical skills, right, uh, in, in, in learning and development. But we're like, if we can teach this and then pepper in the technical skills, um, you know, this is really what's important. This is how we're showing up as individuals. This is how we're showing up as people. And then, um, and then if I can learn how to, you know, do a pivot table in Excel, that's, that's just the icing on the cake. I love it. That's fantastic. Thanks, I love, I love the, so they're like sitting back and you really hear like, um, after reading books and you read a lot of these articles that come out and you, you hear about, 
like communication, how important communication is. You hear about continuously learning environments. You talk about all these different things, but here in Barbara, like I just oversimplified a lot of the things that you just said, right? But to hear an organization actually doing these things and putting it to practice rather than just looking at it as maybe words on the page and say, oh, that's nice to have, which brings me back. To, and it, I keep running this from what you said at the beginning. Um, the mindset is how can we do this and not of the mindset, how, why can't we do this? Right. And I feel like that is really what is elevating CCSI over a lot of people is because I think when you set your intention to how can we versus how can't we, your actions change, right? Mm -hmm. Or your, 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 where you're, where you're focusing your time, your energy changes entirely because now you're focused on solely enablement and how do we do this? Um, so that was just powerful. I wanted to go back to the communication because I think word selection is so important and you guys are doing town halls. Um, you're being vulnerable. You're having these 360s. How did you get your managers? Because I know a lot of HR people are trying to think, how can I get my managers to change their habits of old and do something differently? How did you effectively communicate to those managers and, and, and get them to change their mindset on their approach on performance reviews and open 360 interviews and this authentic feedback that they're now getting from their employees? I want to be very honest to say, you know, not every, we have about 116 supervisors, not everybody's on board yet. And, 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 you know, we also have a, a group of new supervisors that haven't learned this yet. So, so it, I think it really is like, we have to lead by example at the executive level first. Right. Um, and I think that's always in, in Chris, you hit the nail on the head because it's just like, you know, oh, we're fine at the executive team and, you know, we'll, we'll have this be a middle management task. And, it, and then the buy-in isn't there at the executive level. I've worked in organizations like that. I, 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 you know, kind of, that's why I think that sometimes um, leadership development programs don't work. I remember one time uh, years ago, bringing on somebody, um, you know, to, to working with the, um, with a leadership team and, and, and they, nobody did their task and they weren't held accountable for it. And I'm like, well, that, that coaches you know, taking money and throwing it over the Bay Bridge in Rochester because, I mean, it's just a waste of time. But um, so so if we start at the executive team first and we kind of go through this years, year-long process and then we're bringing a new cohort of uh, middle managers, um, you know, operational managers and customer-facing managers and, and directors to the, the second cohort, what we're doing is we're kind of, you know, creating a layered approach so that more frontline supervisors will buy in. Now, as executives, we're responsible for working with our teams and the supervisors that work underneath us and our teams um, to ensure that they are also being supported in this way. And it's really about leading by example. Mm -hmm. So so we're not fully, you know, rolling this out all the way um, through yet, but we have a, you know, multi-year plan to do so. And it's also going to be um, what we're looking for when we're looking for high potential leaders in our succession plan. Mm -hmm. um, so this is going to be one of the you know, big criteria uh, for us to, to say who's developing, who's buying in, who's really starting to demonstrate with us, because we will be starting to hold people accountable for, the, for, for showing up in, in the way that, that we want people to show up. It's an intentional, it's an intentional approach. 
Do you and not a they, not a what did you say a spray and pray? Yeah. yeah. Do you think yeah. they they buy in more because um, you you yourself in HR seek out accountability to the business? Because Barbara, a lot of the things that you're saying is that you're really sticking HR's neck into places that some HR practitioners and professionals listening would say, I wouldn't dare stick my neck into that place. I I'm totally cool with staying in my lane. Like that, that takes courage. And you mentioned earlier bravery. Um, so I want to congratulate you for even HR getting that exposure to leadership development training themselves, because you two, you're leaders within the organization. It takes bravery and courage to stand up into a meeting and say, when we're not protecting or upholding the mission, vision, and values of, of what we say we want to do. Um, that does take bravery. I, I just wanted to say thank you for that, because I think that is going to really takes HR forward. And it was on our 2022. Um, you mentioned accountability. You mentioned, obviously, bravery and courage. Like, these are all the types of things. And just to hear that this has helped you kind of propel your, you and your career is just awesome to hear. One of the things I'm going to call out the elephant in the room. So a lot of the, lot of the leadership team at CCSI are females. And females, obviously, you're great multitaskers. You guys could, should definitely be president by now. Um, but I don't want to be president. No, not you. you, you, you you're, you're, you're a VP all day. You like being a VP. But, but you, that, that tells me about how effective, back to the communication piece. Is that a staple of what you guys have said at the top level? We're focused on, on, on communication and communication is what's going to help kind of unlock these other areas and where we want to go. Yeah, it is. Consciously it, or subconsciously? No, it's intentional. So it okay. is intentional. It's, it's it, you know, I want to really uh, highlight that I have worked in organizations that, um, you know, we were, where HR would bring this to the forefront. This was the other and elephant I wanted to bring up, but now yeah. that you brought it up, I'll, I'm going to let you go. <laughs> and it's not, it's not always, um, it's a, it's a harder, it's a harder road to travel and it's a harder, um, you know, hill to climb. I, I'm work, I work for a leader who, who, you know, and a president, you know, Ann Wilder and Kevin, you, you, you interviewed her on, on another podcast and she's incredible. She's already buying, buying into this. This, you know, she's actually, you know, oftentimes, and it was including this dare to lead brought it to, to me and said, Hey, what, what do you think about this? You know? And, and I, I really, I really like this book. And, um, and so she's, you know, so it's really nice to, to be able to to already have you know some buy-in before you even bring an idea to the to to the table, um, and and it's nice to you know really you know work for somebody and and just knowing like I know how she would think I don't have to ask her I you know we're going to be on the same page that actually happened last mm. night, um, <laughs> you know um, something something came up with with a with a member of, of a new a new member of our organization. And, uh, you know, I'm like, I know how Anne's going to respond to this and I'm not going to make it her problem, but she responded the, the exact same way within seconds. So, you know, uh, you know, so it's, it's, it's nice to, you know, not only partner with, but like have, have an alignment so you can anticipate, you know, how that's going to work. But um, at the other end is, um, you know, I have worked in organizations where, you know, you try to bring up progressive ideas and, and, and in things, and you know, um, in the like, oh, HR has a seat at the table. Oh, yes, we we did a a, a, a one day retreat on diversity training, so now we're trained. Yeah. Like, no, 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 we're not. <laughs> 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 that's, that's checking the box, and 
And, um, you know, I, I mean, I just am reading some articles, you know, in the newspaper over the last couple of days about, you know, or, like large organizations that were always about people. And now, you know, you know, you know, a few years ago when, when Starbucks um, did the same thing, when they were having some big challenges and, and they said, well, we're taking everybody offline for a whole day of diversity training. Now everybody's trained and we did a good job. And yeah. I'm like, but wait, where's the development? Where's the, where's the ongoing, you know, support and accountability. And now we just see that, you know, you know, the employees are, are striking and unionizing um, because the, you know, um, you know, the organization is not living into the values that they're espousing to be. And that's just not living with an integrity. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you have to walk the walk, you have to, you know, walk, you know, talk the talk and, and live into those values and really demonstrate that all the time. I mean, you know, it, it's just, it's very different to work for, for a CEO that is understanding it, excited about it, innovative about it, progressive, and, and really, and, and, and is excited about it. Um, and I think that just re really kind of um, builds on that excitement for, for me, it makes my job a lot easier. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, um, and then if get the executives on all the executives on board, it's just going to be, you know, easier to, to help us manage our own organizations. Did that answer your question? Yes, definitely. Okay. And I got one more because I know Chris is Jones and ask a question, but what okay. did you have? Because you you went back and you you basically said you had to learn something in nine months and it, kind of taking back what you peeling back the onion further about what you just said. Obviously, you didn't have these opportunities in some of these other organizations that you had before. What did you have to learn right. in that nine months to understand that you were had that equal weight at the table? Finally, like what did you have to learn personally in that nine months? So then you were like, holy shit, I finally am working in this environment. What did what did Barbara have to learn to take it to the next step to where you are right now? I had to have my boss say to me, I need you to be a partner. I need you to tell me what it is that I need, what, what you need to tell me. Don't be, don't say yes to me. Tell me what it, what I need to do. Um, and I, I'm looking for at you for, as a subject matter expert, I am looking at you as, as, as the chief human resources officer. And it really did click with me. It, it, she had to say it that specifically sometimes, because I think with those first nine months when I was working there, I think I was saying yes to anything that she said, even, <laughs> even if I didn't agree with it. And, and that was because that's what I was used to in other organizations. And I'm like, no, this is my job. This is my job. This is my strategy. This is, this is, this is for me to say, this is what the organization needs to help advance the priorities that we had laid out. Um, and, and with talent and culture at the time, I didn't, we didn't have a chief diversity officer. We didn't have a chief, um, 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 uh, compliance officer and some of those tasks were some of those tasks were under me and um and I was just like you know this is this is this is like can I do this myself and I wasn't being strategic in my own thinking to be like well who can I partner with on this but you know I'm not really shy at work to finding you know the partners like one thing I'm I'm bad at math so I always find the controller and the CFO to be my best friends in an organization, but I really wasn't thinking about expanding myself to like all the, you know, um, excellent resources that I had in my organization. And then, and then when we had that conversation, uh, you know, I was like, this is my job. This is what I need to do. And, and, and it really just helped me get unstuck and, and out of my way and, 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 and do what I wanted to do and why I wanted to join CCSI. I think I just got, you know, like, 
maybe a little even a pastor syndrome. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I think, I think that you bring up a lot of relevant points, Barbara, that I'd say, I don't want to talk for every HR professional out there, but similar, similar experiences, right? And as we yeah. look towards the future of work, and again, we look at kind of skill-based work, I think it's exactly what you were talking about. How do I identify those individuals within the organization who have the skills are going to be a good complement and help support me and what we're trying to get done? Yeah. Um, I think that you gave a great example there. And that was kind of one of the questions, you know, as we start to look at the time and, and wrapping up, maybe a couple of Final questions for you is, you know, down, down the road in the future of work, um, how do you see that continuing to evolve? Uh, and then more specifically from an HR professional, HR practitioner standpoint, what are the key development uh, opportunities for HR folks that they need to be working on in 2022 to continue to stay relevant, to continue to provide value in their organizations? HR, uh, so to, to, I think the things that uh, HR organizations need to do, and I, you know, I have, we all have colleagues that work in other organizations, and, and to hear some of the things that they're working on, and, um, I, you know, I, I, I hear organizations saying that we're progressive, but, you know, there's not an HR leader at the table, mm -hmm. or, or even anybody that has an HR voice at the table, they might report to the CFO, or the COO or, or an administrative officer. And, um, but there really isn't like somebody that knows HR to, to be, you know, explaining like, you know, this, these are the things that we, we need to do at the organization. I think that HR really has to demand that seat at the table or show their value mm -hmm. um, and, and demonstrate that value in, in, in many different ways, um, you know, provide evidence-based, you know, uh, data. Um, create some some sort of pro even if that they're not getting buy-in at the leadership team, create some sort of pilot um, um, you know program that you know has some success, and so that you can bring that you know success to to you know the president or the CEO or whoever whatever member of the leadership team might have some interest into what you're doing culturally. Um, you know, uh, so I think those those are some things like I you know I. As we, we're, people are recruiting like crazy. I, I, I probably get a, a recruiter a call, you know, every couple of weeks and, um, you know, and they're like, oh, this is a very progressive organization. And this, and the, you know, senior VP of, you know, human resources reports to the, you know, the CF, CFO. And I'm like, no, that's not progressive. It's personnel. And when I see things that say personnel and job descriptions, and I'm yeah. like, first of all, I'm not looking to leave, but I'm really interested in seeing how other organizations are structuring this. Um, the, and um, as far as the future of work for human resources is to um, help support a culture of change and transformation. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, there's no reason why somebody has to be able, you know, that when you're recruiting for new talent, you, you, you don't need to look in a 30 mile radius of your brick and mortar to say that I need the, you know, to find the right person to be here. I mean, you know, we, people can work from anywhere. And, and even if you're not um, set up to be able to employ, you know, you know, from different states because of employment laws and things like that, you know, you can definitely, if you're in New York state, you can definitely find great talent in New York state and they could work remotely. They could be hybrid. I mean, they could be semi-hybrid. Um, you know, those, those, there's, there's a lot of ways just to, you know, um, transform like how we're doing things and, and stop being, you know, there's all a lot of transactions that have to happen in human resources, but 
not rely on technology to do and automate everything, but to automate those um, transactional pieces as much as possible so that you can spend more time coaching um, and, and partnering, but strategically partnering, bravely partnering, um, being, you know, sometimes you're not in the passenger seat as the support, but sometimes you're even driving um, and demonstrating, um, you know, some of the the uh, ways that you can, you know, support the, the transformational change. And then also just be really collaborative. Um, so don't just be the HR partner to the senior leaders of this business unit, bring in the marketing team, bring in the IT, uh, you know, team, bring in um, the, you know, other partners to this organization, because HR is not the only business partner in the organization. Accounting is a business partner, um, you know, IT, facilities, um, you know, marketing, and, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion, compliance. Um, they're all partners. And so bring in all of your partners and work together as a, as, a, as a big team and get so many different perspectives on it and bring in all your subject matter experts that can help. Um, you know, I think that sometimes, uh, you know, HR is like, has to think like they have to do it all themselves yeah. and they have to be all to end all. And they're the ones that are going to coordinate everything else. And it's like, well, you can coordinate it by bringing them in, but you don't have to do everybody else's job for them either. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I, I love Barbara. Another answer full, full of chalk, full of great insights and intel. I mean, limit transactions. I mean, the transactional work of HR and, and hearing you say what your view of technology is. And obviously I sold that in the past, but that, that really is what technology is there for is to limit those trans that transactional administrative work. Um, but very interesting, you say don't automate all of it um, because uh, Chris and I were, were just kind of de debriefing about a study and actually it's, it's seven plus engagements um, that people have with their HR department um, that determines if they have a, a good HR department or a terrible HR department. So fascinating right. to hear you say that because that's kind of the tale as old as time as we talk about the advancements in technology, but what's too much, where do you lose touch of the employees? Um, and obviously that's a, that's a code you guys have cracked at coordinated care services. Um, the other thing that you had just said, just to kind of, as we're wrapping up ourselves and I'm not asking any more questions, but just to highlight for the, for the listeners is that you talked about not hiring the people within just a 30 mile radius, just because that you're focused more on hiring the right people. So that's a, definitely yeah. a message that I want a lot of people in HR to hear as well is that you're just as much involved in the talent acquisition and selection and development process for the entire organization than you let, lead on to believe or than some other people may lead you on to believe. Here and Barbara kind of take that very holistic approach to the individual and then the team's environment is somebody, is somebody that is a very in tune with the individuals of their departments and understanding what people are really looking for from an employer. So incredible, incredible episode today, Barbara. I just wanted to say thank you so much yeah. for, for kind of bestowing your wisdom on us, thank you. sharing your stories with us, because this was uh, hats off to you. One of the one of the best episodes I think we've had. So thank you so much for being a guest. And, and, and thank I'm you for having me for other HR leaders to hear this message today and hopefully take a few of these pieces of wisdom and, and apply them and, and see how much more valued they are within their departments uh, today. So thank you so much, Barbara. Thank you. Thanks Thank you. so much. Great.